This episode of the Make Life Work podcast is supported by our friends at Archive. Do you have stacks of your kids' artwork piling up around your home like I do? Archive offers an easy and seamless solution for preserving and celebrating their creations. Just log on to archivebox.com and order your box, fill it with the artwork you'd like to save, and their talented team of professional photographers and designers will turn it into a stunning keepsake book or mosaic. Listeners of the Make Life Work podcast will receive $20 off their first order. Visit archivebox.com and use promo code MAKELIFEWORK at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Make Life Work podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Marconi, serial entrepreneur, single mom, and current founder and CEO of Vita, a co-working community in Portland, Oregon, designed to support modern life. For almost everyone I know, life is full. And for those of us who want to do it all, have a big career, raise a family, and achieve our most ambitious personal goals, oftentimes it can feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know firsthand the extreme joy, challenge, and chaos of building a business while raising a family. And I created the Make Life Work podcast to share experiences from my own journey, as well as talk with inspiring women who are also at this unique intersection of life. We'll take an inside look at the big projects they are undertaking and hear more about the schedules and strategies they use to create fulfilling personal, professional, and family lives. If you're an entrepreneur, leader, or executive, or if you're seeking inspiration and practical ideas for how to turn your big idea into reality while also building a life that works, this is the show for you. And now, let's get on with the episode. everyone. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Make Life Work podcast. I'm super excited to have on the show today, Michelle Gerby, who is the co-owner of Hood River Chiropractic and Wellness up in Hood River, Oregon, and also the founder of drgerby.com, which is a brand new business where she is going to offer courses for new moms to help them on a variety of issues when they're not able to see her in person. So Michelle, welcome. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to dig in a little bit more because I think that, um, you know, I've had a baby, I'm a mom, and I know so many other moms, and we have so many moms listening to this podcast, and I think that we all have had some kind of experience where our birth and postpartum healthcare has been lacking in one way or another, and uh, you and I have a mutual friend who just recently had a baby, And she shared with me that this experience, her postpartum experience this time around had been so much different and better because she was able to work with you. And so, yeah, it really um, intrigued me. And I would love um, to tell our listeners a little bit more about your practice and what you're doing to make this different for so many women. Thank you. So, My whole career, I've always focused, even since I was in school, on pregnant ladies and postpartum ladies. My mom was a nurse midwife. I always knew I'd be a doctor in some capacity. I swore I would never work with pregnant women because I literally grew up in a (laughs) bee clinic. It was next door to my school. I would go to work with my mom. I'd walk back at the end of the day and listen to babies on fetal monitors and like play with photos of chromosomes and uterine models. Like I grew up with that and I was like, oh, never, never. And then in chiropractic school, um, I decided that, you know, who needed hands-on care for musculoskeletal pain that took a non-drug, non-surgical approach was pregnant women. And at the time, most of my colleagues were men. They really weren't interested in it. They didn't really even want to go to OB class. 
And I just fell in love with it. And at the time, a lot of my colleagues' partners were having kids and they were coming into the student health center and I started treating them and I just got the bug. And I, I sought out everything I could about pregnancy-related musculoskeletal pain. And then all those women would have their babies. And then I got really interested in postpartum care. And I really saw pretty early on how even though the care during pregnancy is so important and so critical, the you really need people postpartum. Yeah. And that's where there are these huge holes in your care. And I remember really, really clearly years ago, my first year in practice, I had a woman and I was, she had a three month old baby. And I said, you know, I think if you can just get out and walk a little bit more, you know, a lot of your headaches will go away. Your body just needs a little movement. And in bending over to pick up her baby, she lost control of her whole bladder in my room and started sobbing. And she said, I just, I can't leave. Every time I leave the house, I pee down my leg and everybody's telling me this is normal. And and she just had this meltdown. And, and at that point I hadn't had kids yet, but I was, had heard stories like this. And I was like, man, like this is, this is actually treatable. Like, you know, there's, there's therapists you can go see, there's work you can do. And, and nobody had even told her this. It wasn't like she just couldn't to get it together. She was just told at her six week postpartum visit, you're okay, it'll go away, wear a pad, you're fine. And here she was six weeks after that, you know, not able to control her bladder in the doctor's office. And I said, well, you need some pelvic floor work. You need some pelvic floor therapy. And she looked at me and she was like, I am so overwhelmed. She said, I know you, I trust you, you go learn how to do it. And, work on me. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing in pelvic floor work. I learned a little bit in school and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go get trained in this. And so I went and got trained in internal pelvic floor manual therapy and pelvic floor rehab. And that led to learning about diastasis rehab, which is when your abdominal wall separates. Mm. And I just kept seeing these needs in moms. And I would just get curious. I'd have moms come in with mastitis, which is like a, a breast infection. I thought, well, you know, I know what to do for congestion and inflammation anywhere else in the body. God forbid we apply it to a lactating breast. Right. Like, let's, let's do this, it. you know, and they would get relief, mm -hmm. right? And so, and then all those women started bringing me their babies. And I was like, I don't know what to do for your baby. Like I, you know, the, the infant chiropractic I learned in school didn't resonate with me. It was a little too abrupt and too vigorous. And it just didn't seem like it didn't, didn't resonate with the work I wanted to do. And so I uh, kept hearing how great craniosacral therapy was for babies. And then one of the women who was really, really famous in that field happened to be in Portland mm -hmm. and starting to teach on her own. And so she became like a dear friend and mentor and I got interested in infant work. And then I had my own children and I butted up against everything that I had seen as a clinician myself and especially the breastfeeding issues. And so then after that, I got super fascinated in feeding issues and I became a lactation consultant as wow. well. And so I... I just kept seeing these problems that moms have and I am always curious for information and I always just wanted to learn more and learn more and learn more. And what I've seen is that there's always a musculoskeletal component to a lot of the problems that women face postpartum and babies, mm -hmm. yet our healthcare system isn't totally set up to address right. those. 
issues. And so if a woman's need is sort of in their body, in how their muscles are balanced, in how things are functioning, um, you know, if a baby has a difficult birth and has a neck strain, that's going to affect how they can latch and how they can open their jaw. And so addressing those issues with hands-on therapy that's gentle, but also just educating people has just been the focus of my entire career. And I love it. And it's just what yeah, I love doing. And it's so cool and so needed. And I mean, our kids are kind of the same age. I have an eight-year-old and, you know, after okay. I gave birth, like pelvic floor was not a thing. Like I did not learn about that. No. So like, you know, friends who had babies after me, but no one talks about the pelvic floor or like any kind of aftercare or infant, um, you know, craniosacral work. And so you just kind of, you know, left the hospital home with your baby. And that was that, right. I went back to see my OB for yeah. my, you know, to check my incision, basically, I had a C-section. Yeah. And like, that was that. And it was just kind of like, good luck yeah. and take care. And then when I, I also had breastfeeding issues. And so they're like, okay, well, maybe a lactation consultant might help. And that was really the extent of it all. And so I, you know, kind of pieced together some people who were helpful and supportive to me. But, you know, like you said, when you and I were talking earlier, it's like, if even folks who are healthcare providers or workers like don't have access to these kinds of services, like how would like the, you know, everyday kind of mom even know that this stuff is out there to help. And so I think the work that we're, you're doing with drgerby.com is really going to be pretty profound for women everywhere. Right. So tell, tell us a little bit about this project that you're working on. Well, thank you. So I had, um, I had for a long time been thinking, you know, how do I have more family time? How do I, how do I get the care that I give for women and the advice to more people without having to work, you know, five, 10 hour days a week. And I had been kind of living the, you know, I joke because we call it, you know, the part-time working mom dream and own my own medical practice. Really, I work 24-7, right. totally. you know, because I brought the kids to daycare, went and busted out patient care, went back, ran my company. And then um, my husband got sick in 2018. He had a pretty significant health crisis. And I started working part-time, full-time and supporting our family entirely. And I was like, I want to, I love the work I do, but I, I don't want to have to like leave my family and not see my kids and be doing these 50-hour a week work weeks, but I have so much empathy for these women who want to come in and see me who need advice. And so I had a month where I think two or three times a week, I'd had a mom just start bawling and say, you know, your hands-on care was so helpful, but it was all the questions you were answering while you were working on me and all of the frameworks you were giving me. And um, that that was really the gold. And and I have this really unique perspective on what women go through from pregnancy through postpartum, because I spend more time with them than most other providers. Mm -hmm. You know, my visits are half an hour and I have this relationship with them when they're pregnant. I'm in that sort of healthcare trusted provider doctor role, yet I'm not at the birth. I'm not doing the delivery 
So I also get the full story. You know, I get the full, like, this is how I really felt. This is what made me feel empowered. This is what took away my power. This is, this is where I felt like things fell through the cracks or this experience was really uplifting. And then often they come back and see me for breastfeeding issues and we do pelvic floor work and diastasis repair. So I have this really like whole woman perspective in that time frame where like the OB visits, you know, and even midwifery visits, it's really about like the health of the mom and the baby, the safe delivery. And then everybody kind of drifts off into the ethers six weeks postpartum. And that's when, you know, I always feel like things are kind of hitting the fan a little bit. Oh my God, totally. And and I tell women every day, a lot of what people tell you is normal at that point is common, but common doesn't equal normal. So your baby spitting up constantly after every feed, that might be common, but that doesn't mean it's normal. You know, having to still wear a pad may be common, but it's not normal. Having recurring clogged milk ducts, common, not normal. And, and, you know, so women would, they just would not have any kind of information of just like, you know, they were just told it's all normal, right? right? And I would say, no, that's common. And so it gets normalized. And then they, they feel like they don't know where to go. And they've just been told they're okay, in essence, but they don't really have a roadmap. And they kind of need a plan because I think it's such a weird time in your life because you've just had this like, you know, massive change of life role. You've gone through this crazy hormone swing, right? Of just delivery and having a baby. You're sleep deprived. You know, you often don't know up from down and inside (laughs) out. Yet it's a time in your life where like probably it would behoove you to be sharper than ever on your own advocacy game and thinking through and problem solving. And you're just sort of, I always kind of say like, I think the new mom period, it's kind of like you're underwater, you know, it's like you're in this really weird foreign environment all of a sudden. And like, you know, you can swim up and grab a breath of air, but like you're still underwater. And it's like, my goal is that like, not just help women tread water, but help them learn to float and like swim to the shore, get out of the water. And I think that you can, my courses are designed to just be really simple steps, but also really validate some of their experience that in their head, they're like, everybody's telling me this is fine, but I just feel like there's probably something I can do. Like someone who's had two or three C-sections and never been taught how to hold their tummy when they're coughing or gentle work they can do on their spar at home, or just tips and tricks. If you know you're coming home with a plan C-section and you have a one and a half or a two-year-old, how to set up your house better, you know, or really realistic information for how, you know, sometimes we start in pregnancy, they can set themselves up for success better, you know, and, and I've just, I've heard, you know, my, my clients, I'm so blessed. They've been my best teacher, but I've heard from thousands of women, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And I, and I feel like I get this insight into the secret life of moms and new moms. And I hear the same things. And part of what I want to do through that website is normalize a lot of that experience. Like we all and not in a like, oh, this is all hard and let's have a club and cry about it. But like, 
all moms go through moments where they're like, I've just totally ruined my life forever. Like, why did I, why did I have this baby? I have ruined my vagina forever. Right. I've ruined my breast forever. Right. My relationship. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mind yeah. is shot. Yeah. Everyone has a fantasy about throwing the baby in an RV, hitting the road, and you're just sure that life will be so much easier if you just leave with you and the baby in the RV. Like, and then moms laugh because they're like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. I'm like, no, I've heard that like three times this week. Like, you know, if I had a dollar for every time the first four weeks postpartum, I have a woman sobbing on my table and I'm like, don't throw out the big D word. Like, I know you want to divorce your partner, but like literally like three other ladies this morning also did. Like, let's just ride those hormones out right. of here, you know, but just to normalize some of that. Yeah you know, and create a community where women can share in the joys, but also just really help not feel like they're the only one. And I think especially nowadays where, you know, women are having babies later, we have more professional development, they're career oriented, they're entrepreneurial, and they have they feel like they kind of want to do it right. And I think a lot of what's out there on social media and it, it's really focused on like, like you should know all this stuff and it should be easy and you know, you should be rocking it. And I just want to present another side that's like, it's a little messy for everybody and you know, and that's normal and it's okay. And part of why I think it feels messy is because there's just some gaps in our healthcare system where we don't support the mother enough postpartum. Right. And I'm not even going to try to cite the statistic, but the U.S. has one of the worst rates of postpartum mortality of any first world country. And I think that's an extreme example of what, you know, I see with what happens every day mm -hmm. and what I try to instill in people for education. And we have amazing providers out here. Like this is, this is not... Um, no one is to blame. It's just how our system is set right. up. You know, we just in this country don't support new moms. Yeah, it's it's like there's just a missing link in the whole kind of wraparound yeah. care. And, um, and, you know, until I met you and learned of your work, I don't even think I put two and two together how big of a link was missing between, you know, prenatal care, you know, the care that Ellie got my daughter, like as a Pre or an, an infant and like with her pediatrician and then you know how little support I got and I think to your point about you know people women having babies later in life and maybe having more professional experience I think a lot of us too are also pretty well versed in finding trusted advisors and consultants right like we know yes. how to actually access help and like put a team together but if you don't even yeah. know what team members exist out in the world to help you, it's impossible, right? To like put that team together. Exactly. So I'm curious if you could kind of share like what, you know, what kind of an ideal team would look like and what is out there for women? I mean, you know, maybe in Oregon, we have um, some greater opportunities and maybe more alternative healthcare stuff, but just kind of in the country, like what would that look like? Who could we find? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if I were to go ideally, yeah. you know, what I think would be amazing would be if all new moms had a visiting nurse mm -hmm. who is also a certified lactation consultant 
and a women's health nurse, you know, and if everybody got a home visit, even once a month for the first six months, and maybe a home visit once a month and a phone call, you know, like, so that every other week, you have a little bit of support. And somebody could say, you know, okay, how's the baby doing? But where are you? And I think a lot of the um, fragmentation starts when, you know, we all forget that that mom and baby were just so intimately tied in that, in that mom's body. And then baby is delivered. And then there's like a fragmentation. And so we start separating everybody mm-hmm. out. And the baby, the pediatrician would handle the baby issues. And maybe the OB kind of wraps up or midwife wraps up with mom till six weeks. But then often if someone is sort of in their childbearing years, they may have never seen their primary care provider in like three to five years because they've been having right. babies. But then suddenly the midwives and most of the OBs don't want to see you anymore. You got to go back to primary care. And, you know, like a mom may have a recurrent breast infection, but that provider is not looking at the baby and realizing, well, that recurring infections because the baby's not draining the tissues because the baby has right. a tongue tie. And the pediatrician may look at the baby or even write a prescription for thrush for the baby but not think to actually look at the mom because they're probably passing it back and forth. And so mm-hmm. I think if we could have this missing link of really honoring that dyad mm-hmm. still, and there's so much, you know, there's so much going on between those two bodies, even those first few months, you know, they were just in you, they need to be on you and near you to regulate. And we talk about like mom radar and all this other stuff, but, you know, I really feel like that's, that, those are hormones and biology in action, right. you know, and we don't yet have the scientific capability of kind of exactly sussing out what those chemicals are. But, you know, I think if as healthcare providers, we could honor that a little bit more, that a, a lot of moms would feel a lot better, you know, just to know, oh, yeah, in two weeks, I've got an appointment, that person's coming to my house, they don't have to find childcare, I can ask them about my pelvic floor. And, and then that nurse, or provider, whether it was a midwife, would say, okay, hey, you're six weeks postpartum. Let's show you some gentle exercises for your core and pelvic floor. Let's talk about, you know, what breastfeeding an older baby looks like. And, you know, because a lot of what you learn in the hospital or even at home with a home birth for latching and breastfeeding, it's not exactly how people really feed their babies if they're successful at breastfeeding. You know, you never see a mom lift up her shirt and make a giant nipple sandwich for that six-month-old baby, right? (laughs) But but everybody who comes in, you know, they're so used to, how do you eat a burger? You squish it flat and open your mouth wide. And so, you know, kind of to help, which is good. I mean, that gets like, that gets colostrum into the infant and the newborn. It is, that is, I get why we do that. But at the same time, someone to say, hey, let me show you how to latch your baby to turn their nervous system on a little bit more and bring out their innate reflexes. And let's help, let's help put them in a position so their body knows where they are and can learn how to do this better on their own. So you don't have to help them so much, you know? And so that would be my dream. Um, And right now, what is hard is that things are really fragmented. So, you know, women with musculoskeletal pain and headaches and carpal tunnel and back pain, you know, in most parts of the country, my profession is really varied. Some chiropractors do a lot of rehab and soft tissue work. And in other states, it's really narrow. And that may not be provided at all. But any sort of women's health physical therapist or women's health chiropractor 
is a good start for the musculoskeletal pain and for any sort of pelvic floor issues because it's about your functionality, right? And oftentimes the postpartum care provider who's running the ship, be it a midwife or an OB, you know, bless those people. They have so much on their plate and so much they have to do in those visits. Like they're not given the time to sit down and go, Hey, if you're still having these problems at 12 weeks postpartum, this is who you should go see. Or, Hey, you had a C-section. You should go do some rehab. You know, like I say this every day in practice. It's like, Nobody has major surgery anymore for anything and doesn't have mandatory PT, PT totally. or rehab, yep. right? And you have a C-section and they're like, don't get it wet for six weeks. Good yep. luck. Don't go in the pool. And you're like, oh man, you're really ruining my swim right. season with this newborn. You know, it's like, that was my plan. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. But when you say, when you say, hey, would you write me a prescription? I'd like to do it. They're like, oh man, that's a great idea. Yes, you hmm. should. You know, so it's not, we have, um, I feel like we have my, my background, my undergraduate work was in medical ethics and I almost went into healthcare policy and ethics instead of medicine directly. And I just think we have a system where it's so sped up, you know, and, and the physicians don't get to do the visits that they would like. The nurses don't get to do spend the time they want. So, so nothing about what I'm saying is in any way pointing fingers at any individual provider, their hands are so tied. I mean, my best friends are labor and delivery nurses and women's health nurses. And I have so many good friends and colleagues who are OBGYNs and, and midwives and everybody. It's like the, the healthcare system is so sped up. And I think the postpartum period is when you really need it to slow down. And it's just that our system doesn't meet the needs of the women. So the providers are lovely and amazing and, and they're just as frustrated, yeah. you know, and, and their hands are tied and, you know, but it's, I think the clients that suffer, you know, and then as far as babies go, you know, again, it's kind of the same thing. Like if we want to talk about breastfeeding issues, oftentimes pediatricians know the least about breastfeeding and are really focused on the weight gain. And, you know, they don't always know when to say you should go see lactation, right? right? And lactation consultants often are nurses, but you can also just be an independent board certified lactation consultant. They're not given as, you know, they're not as high on the medical food chain. So sometimes the lactation consultants are coming up with these really great insights into like this baby kind of has low tone and maybe that's why things aren't working or maybe this is a structural issue but when the person who's at the sort of top of that medical hierarchy dismisses it or says no that's not it that's not that's not a real thing you know the parents move on because that's your trusted authority right. and and it's just due to a lack of um a lack of education. But again, like doctors have to know so much. So I just say, hey, if it's not your provider's clinical specialty, or something that they tell you they're really interested in, it's they just don't know, but they can't stay on top of everything. Like I'm the biggest advocate out there for allopathic providers and alternative providers, you know, and just say they just don't know. Like, 
I learned about knees in chiropractic school and I am a total dinosaur. If I have somebody who I think comes in with a knee issue, I'm like, oh my gosh, what I got for you is 20 years old and I never use it. Right. Like, I'm not your guy. I am not right. your person. Right. <laughs> you know? like, I have a great other woman in my office you should see and it is not me, but I do stay current on the feeding issues and things like that. So, so really for women, just looking and asking somebody, you know, and not being afraid to say, is this an area that you do a lot of continuing education with? And, and to know that not all, everybody has like a different perspective on things too. And so just because you may go to one lactation consultant, if you still feel like you need help or you weren't getting the full picture, or you have this mom inkling that there's like something else, go see another Mm -hmm. one. You know, for each of my kids, I had to see four lactation consultants. And it wasn't because any one of them wasn't good. It was that we had so many freaking issues. You know, everybody who would have a little insight and a little gem, and you have to take that and run with it. And then you may need more because it's very complicated because you're dealing with the mom and the baby, right? And you have to look at two people actually at once. Yeah, that was my experience with a lactation consultant also. But also didn't even know they existed until a girlfriend was mm-hmm. like, you know, I I use this independent woman as a lactation consultant. Like, why don't you call her? And I ended up working with her and then another one, you know, that I found out yeah. was covered by my insurance. But it was the combination of both of them that helped me to figure it out. And, and some people specialize in you know, newborns in the hospital and never really see older babies. Mm-hmm. Some people really see a lot of older babies oh, interesting. and older feeding issues and don't deal as much. Like I don't work in a hospital. So, you know, my specialty is not the first few hours of lactation and getting a baby's blood sugar stable and spoon feeding. You know, I see the people once they've gone home and what they were doing isn't working. Right. And so we all kind of have our different, um, different perspectives. So I think just to reinforced for women to not be afraid to seek a second opinion. And, you know, even with their own care, or even with the care of their baby, you know, it's, it's just, I think that moms have a lot of innate wisdom about how their kid is doing. And I, like I said before, you know, I think that's biology in action. I think there's such a tie in a sense. And I feel like my duty as a healthcare provider is to help cultivate that in women and build that confidence and not use my power as a doctor to say, you're wrong. That's not what's going on. You know, and I think if we could help foster that in women and teach them how to honor that a little bit more and say, it's, it's okay to get a second opinion. It's okay to go try a new doctor and, and see what you right. think, you know, and go from there, but they're tired and they're exhausted. And that's, that's, that's the part that's really right. hard. You know, there is no like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll revisit it after a good night's right. sleep because that good night's sleep not coming. Not right. It's almost like six months, six years. Right. Who knows, right? It's almost like you need like a postpartum project manager to like help kind of manage like all the different, you know, yes. team members that can kind of help and like get you back to you know flourishing and 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 whole health after giving birth. Absolutely, and. And that's a great, like, that's a really good reminder to me. You know, there are postpartum doulas and that they really fill a lot of that role. The hard part is that that is not a demographic that is licensed enough to really like assess and diagnose and refer on. And so there's a lot of kind of help, like 
and good advice. But I think that because there's just so much going on in your body, it's really nice to have somebody who has um, the the licensure and the education to maybe do a little higher tier of assessment yeah. and really look at that baby and go like, why are they doing that? Or why are they not really perking up? Right. You know, and, and that's where I think kind of at that nurse or midwife level in my fantasy world for postpartum women, you know, that's how we would also better serve women is to really have that, that a little bit more critical yeah. eye, you know, than, than just help and support. Yeah. I love that idea. I think it would really help. So, so many women and, and just change the experience for so many too, and, and help babies get off to yeah. a, a stronger start as well. And help moms get off to a stronger start. You know, I see a lot of women who are just rocked by their experience and, you know, those early motherhood days and especially the moms that are more, you know, driven and are the doers and the changers and the makers. And, you know, you just, those babies sometimes just break you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And... (laughs) And, you know, and it really, it, it takes away their confidence and they feel like they don't know where to go for help. And I think that it's just not that people are so lost. It's just, we don't have a good framework. And that's part of what I want to help create is, is just this roadmap for people so that they feel like they have at least something they can keep referencing back to, you know, and even when I see a new mom for, you know, a C- so has C-section and she wants to start working on some core stability, you know, and she maybe has a six week old baby. I always say, Hey, listen, if I don't see you again for a month or two months or six months or until that kid is four, that's okay. And we'll just pick this up wherever you are. And it's just, no, it's totally normal if you don't make it back in. And it's lovely if you do, but you know, they're like, Oh, okay, that's good to know. So they don't feel like a failure if they can't do it, you know, and try to create those realistic expectations, you know, and give them that permission to just like, let it ride a little. So, yeah, I mean, just so empowering, like in so many ways. And so, okay. So tell us the first couple of courses that you're going to have on drgerby.com because they sound super exciting. So the first course is called breastfeeding 911. Because there, so much of the breastfeeding information out there is, you know, kittens and roses and little birds draping a blanket around your neck while you're perfectly latching your baby. Oh, if only. And in reality, yeah. yeah, you have these two leaky cantaloupes that you feel like you're going to pop, a kid that's screaming, mm-hmm. and you don't know what to do. And it's the middle of the night and you're like on the internet, like flipping through desperately like... I don't even know what to do. And in the breastfeeding issues for me feel the most critical um, for women who want to breastfeed because you can't set it down, right? Right. If you're peeing in your pants, every time you cough, you can wear a pad and kind of ignore it till you're ready to circle back. Right. Not that I recommend right. that, but you, but can. you can manage right. it. You can manage it. Right. And if you're like, I really want to breastfeed, but this is really rough today. I'm just going to give the baby formula or bottle mom's still producing milk. So she's going to get mastitis or get engorged. Like you, you can't set feeding issues down if you're, if you're in the throes of it. 
And I always tell the women I work with, I always think that three days of breastfeeding hell are like three weeks of any oh other God, hell, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I can see you. I, I like having like, flashbacks. Yeah. Like there's so many yeah. women are like, amen, yeah. hallelujah, you know, like, praise be Jesus. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And until you've experienced that 10 out of 10 toe curling pain from a painful latch or, you know, women would tell me like, I'd rather like, chew on broken glass than try to nurse this baby again. So it's for women that are at that moment, you know, and everything they're looking at is like this, like three hours of video, this course is just brief snippets. And it's like my troubleshooting algorithm that I kind of use in my office. Like, is it you? Is it the baby? Is it both of you? It's probably both of you. Like, you know, if everybody's crying right now, here's how to (laughs) handle it. Just have a good cry first of all. Right. You know, and then just kind of like talk them off the ledge a little bit and give them some actionable steps for like in that moment, but also like in that next day, in that next week, you know, and it's just kind of very flow charty. Like if you see this, then it's probably this or this, maybe this. And here's how to kind of tell, you know, just to give them information in brief snippets, you know, is the baby spitting up start here? Is the baby you hear this, this, and this, like clicking and coughing and gagging. Okay, then let's start here. And so I go into a lot of the most common feeding issues that are also really underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed. Um, tongue tie is a really big one. It's it's really controversial, but that kind of kills me because it's. I just say I want you to feed your baby, and if we've checked on nine things off this list of ten, and this is the tenth, like let's use some real science and evidence and address right. it. Um, but it just gives women information. And then to kind of just get through that dark period where they're like, I just want to throw in the towel. Cause often they just, you know, they might have a lactation appointment scheduled, but it's like five days out or three days out. Right. And they're just like, I need help right this second. So that's the point of the breastfeeding 911 course. And then the second one is called surviving the first 16 weeks, because I find that for women who, um, maybe their birth didn't go the way that they were envisioning. And then if they wanted to breastfeed and that didn't go the way they envisioned, I didn't want to throw a bunch of breastfeeding stuff in the faces of those moms who may have already tried to breastfeed and felt that they weren't successful. And it's just like picking at a painful yeah. wound, yep. right? And And so I wanted to separate out the new mom stuff and take it away from the baby. There's so many great, newborn and infant care things out there, but there's nothing about the yeah. mom. Yep. Right. And so that is really about how to achieve balance and really give them like a four legged stool to sit on. So even if one of the legs gets kicked out, you're still on a tripod, mm-hmm. you know, and like you can still kind of handle it. And so it's more of a like mind, body, soul, a little bit of everything, but of like, you know, what's the best food for just repairing your body? What are some simple strategies for beating brain fog? You know, if you are still having headaches, here's some things you can do. And here's what you can do down the road. If you are having burning wrist pain, every time you go to hold your baby, here's what you can do now at home. Here's where you should go down the road, you know, to seek out more care. If you're peeing in your pants, if you're had some you know, pelvic floor destruction, having that baby, nobody's talked to you about it. Here's what you should know now. Here's what you can do later. So they can come back to it. You know, if you had a C-section, here's my C-section survival guide. 
And then you can revisit all this other stuff later and give them really normal time frames so they don't feel like they have to digest it all right away. And I call it surviving the first 16 weeks because we have this crazy push <laughs> at 12 weeks to be back at work. Right. And it, it makes me nuts. It's like most women, I feel like by week eight or 10 are sort of pulling out of like the newborn, just fog or chaos. And like those poor women and families who maybe have feeding issues or a baby that was hospitalized or mom had a postpartum infection, they've just spent the first month or two with their new baby going to more doctor's appointments than they ever have in their lives, right. ever, ever. And a lot of times the feeding issues are just coming together, even if they're just bottle feeding, you know, a lot of times, like it just takes some time. Mm -hmm. And then there's this clock ticking of like, I got to get back to work. I should figure this all out. And they have like, they have no time. And I always want everybody to sync up and, and then have some time to just like hang out on the couch and go for walks and be a family and enjoy. And I think they, you need that extra month definitely really to just get your I mean I think you actually need a lot more time under that but you know in America my wish is right that 12 Um, week mark was like it feels like randomly assigned probably in some policy developed by you know a white man in the 60s and now we're still even in my own company I when I had Ellie I co-owned a company too and two of us were women and even in our company, it was like 12 weeks, you know, get right back to it. And it, yeah. we weren't ready. Everybody should yeah. be back. No. no. And and it's interesting, too, if you are lactating, you kind of go through um, these hormonal shifts that on average are around 12 weeks. I always say, you know, your breasts never read these books <laughs> and studies. So we all go through it differently. But, you know, a lot of your milk supply kind of goes from sometimes overcompensating to really establishing the supply and demand pattern. But there's hormonally driven changes that that shift that. And it's it's a lot of it is the same hormones that you know, make your hair fall out in the shower postpartum and, and make you weepy and make you go like, why, why did I do this? This was such a bad idea. And for a lot of women that happens in around that 12 week right. mark. And so I have all these moms that come in, they're like, it's because I went back to work. And I'm like, oh man, the stay at moms are home moms are actually like just as devastated right now. Like it's, this is common, you know, it's a common period. And then maybe even if it's, we're not going to blame it all on physiology, I think it takes about that long to just process what just happened to you and, you know, get in the groove a little yeah. bit, you know, especially with your first. And then if you have other children at home and especially if you have a toddler I mean life's kind of nuts those first few weeks and so I just think to give everybody like a little longer buffer to get their feet under them I think women would feel a little um, more confident returning to work I always a big part of that surviving the 16 week course is my ideal return to work plan for Mm -hmm. moms you know based on helping the baby not start reverse cycling and nursing all night. And if mom is breastfeeding, how to best help them facilitate that transition. And, and there's just little like tips and tricks that again, my, my, my patients are the ones I'm grateful yeah. to, you know, I've, this is like from thousands of women telling me, you know, that worked really well. That didn't work well. I wish somebody had told me this and that and the other, and it's just like listening and then sharing that back out. 
there to all these other women so that we can all kind of build community and help one Yeah, it's really, really amazing work that you're doing. And I'm really excited to um, even just check them out for myself. Like to, you know, I think it's like even just (laughs) re-educating women and, you know, ourselves about, you know, a reminder about what this period looks like. So we can also have compassion and provide support in ways that are helpful for our friends and, you know, colleagues and community members going through it as well. And I think too, like, oh, go no, ahead. Sorry. You, go ahead. You. Um, you know, in this like bigger dialogue that I think is going on right now about, you know, needing to change the world and bringing more kindness to the world. And, you know, I feel like as a mom, if you look at your kids and you go, gosh, these are the, these are the next people who are coming up behind mm-hmm. us. And I feel like if we can help moms start that journey of motherhood with more confidence and some simple tools to help them feel a little more grounded or help them feel more embodied because their body doesn't hurt or they feel like their body hasn't failed them, I feel like it helps them enjoy being a mom a little bit more, you know, and it helps us all you know, raise that next generation of people who are going to, you know, move this planet forward. And, and it's not in a mom guilty way, right? Of like, oh, you should always be grounded and centered and present with your children, right? Like we we all lose it. God knows I do. But, you know, I do think that if we could help give moms like new moms a skill set to fall back on and lean on, that it would help serve them through you just start that pattern and you start running that program in early motherhood of like, I'm frazzled. What do I do? Oh yeah. I take three breaths. I remember they taught me that early on, you know, and not have to like learn that stuff in the throes of it. I think that you could like keep repeating some of those patterns moving forward and feel more confident and less frazzled as you return to work. And as you know, that that kid gets older. Yeah. Which would so so beautiful to have it kind of come all together that way throughout. Mm -hmm parenthood really would just be such a gift well I am so excited for all of this information that we just talked about and to share with our listeners I think it's so profound um and you know I ask all of my guests on this podcast one final question and you obviously have so much going on um, your wife and a mom of two, and you have your practice and you're starting this new um, business and website. And so how do you set up your life to make it work for you and your family and your kids? What are some tips and tricks that you, that help you? Well, so I'm trying to do it different in my forties than I did in my thirties. <laughs> my thirties, I would get up at five and start working and pull out my computer and start emailing. And after the kids would go to bed, I would work more. And then when my husband got sick, and he's doing great oh, now, by good, the way. Good. So he's, he's, he's in a good spot. But I had to develop a practice of gratitude and mindfulness and all that stuff I always heard about that I was like, I don't have time for that. I'm busy. <laughs> Starting my company, you know, and I had, I had to lean into it because I had nothing else in my life just felt so challenging. And so trying to take what I learned from that experience was such a blessing. And so moving forward into this time, I could make the choice today to get up at five, but instead I get up at five and, and I meditate 
for a little bit, you know, and if I don't feel like doing it, I might read an inspiring book or, you know, listen to a podcast that I like, but I try to take a little time every day to fill up my own cup. And I, um, one thing that really resonated, I was reading an interview that you had given somebody saying how women are so much more likely to take on everything and do everything. And I really have tried to stop doing that. So I, I pay somebody to clean my house, you know, and even though we've lost a bunch of staff at work and it's like, oh, the math looks different, realizing that that's critical for me. So I need to not cut that part of the budget out. I'll cut the budget somewhere else. But that's what I need is to still have somebody help me clean my house. And I started getting um, meals delivered to work for my lunches. So I don't have to plan lunch at work anymore. And it's amazing. And it's like spending that money is the best money that I spend because it gets me more time with my family then. And I just have let a lot go. And I feel comfortable telling people I don't have that done yet. But I also have started setting more realistic goals too. That's a big difference. I don't feel like I'm constantly apologizing for not having stuff done. I may just in my head, think about how long something will take me and then double it. Oh my God. (laughs) That's that's good advice. I'll I'll get that to you in two weeks. Even though in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, next week's great. I'm like, oh, two weeks, you know? So I've just learned to slow myself down and give myself that buffer. And it feels really good. And I also feel great about saying no. Like, you know, can I make gluten-free, dairy-free cookies for the big sale? No, I would love to. but I can't, <laughs> but I'm happy to buy them. And that feels, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to buy them. I'm happy to make a donation yeah. and I'm happy to send my husband with them. But right. you know, um, so just trying to, to have those boundaries. Too. I love that. I'm totally going to steal the um, doubling the deliverables timeline. Um, I was actually just thinking about that the other day with um, President Biden and his kind of timelines that he's trying to, under promise and over deliver, which I don't think I've ever done in my whole life, but it seems like a really smart strategy these days moving forward. So thank you for that. And all the others are so great too. (laughs) Um, It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. I so appreciate the work that you're doing. I wish that I lived in Hood River so I could come have services then too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And we wish you all the best with drgerby.com and your Hood River practice and wellness practice and take care. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This is such an honor. I'm just so happy with the work you're doing too. It feels so great to see the community you're building. Thank you. So thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Make Life Work podcast. Join us next week. And until then, have a great week. Bye. The Make Life Work podcast is recorded on site at the Vita Coworking Community in Northeast Portland. Be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for show notes and other resources from this week's episode, please visit vitacoworking.com slash podcast. Have a great week and thanks for listening.